Welcome to Open Capital's Africa Insights Podcast. Our goal is to share on-the-ground insights from the African markets in which we work and give you the latest view on industry trends, challenges, and solutions. For some context, Open Capital is a management consulting and financial advisory firm working across 25 countries in Africa with a team of over 130 staff. We help businesses, investors, development partners, and the public sector identify opportunities and deliver unique, impactful solutions. I'm your host, Corazon Safuwandimi. Today, we're speaking to OCA principal, Natalie Gogay-Ebo. Natalie is the head of our West Africa office and leads Open Capital's gender practice. She's also part of the advisory committee for Andy West Africa's Gender Equity Project. She'll share insights into the challenges that female entrepreneurs face in Africa and the importance of gender lens investment and support strategies for the continent. Natalie, welcome. Thank you, Corey. Fantastic. So why are women-led businesses so important to African economies? So we just celebrated International Women's Day. And I don't know about you, but my social media has been flooded with posts outlining the great accomplishments that women make to society. And also the fact that we're still not adequately recognized for those accomplishments. Thinking specifically about the business context in in Africa, I would say that women are an integral part of building African economies for two key reasons. The first one is that they are very entrepreneurial and business-minded. So Africa is the only region in the world where more women than men choose to become an entrepreneur. So 26% or one out of every four adult women in sub-Saharan Africa starts or manages a business. That's a huge number. The second reason is the compounding positive effect that women have on the broader society. Evidence has consistently shown that when you empower and elevate a woman, you are improving not only her life, but also the lives of her household members, the community, and the broader society that she's part of. And this is because women typically reinvest up to 90% of their income in their education, the health and nutrition of their families and communities, compared to 40% for men. So we, we need women to succeed so that our societies and our economies can grow and thrive. For me, that's the, an imperative. Right. So we know that women-led businesses make up the majority of MSMEs in sub-Saharan Africa. Why is it that few grow beyond this level? Exactly. So we know that they start businesses at a higher rate than, than men, right? But the problem is that their businesses tend to disproportionately fail or stay at the micro or small level compared to the male-led businesses. And and, and this is true whether you're comparing women-led businesses in Africa to male-led businesses in in Africa, or if you're comparing them to other women businesses in other parts of the world. The reason is not that they're less capable than their male counterparts or their female counterparts in other parts of the world. Far from it. The, The main issue 
that limit their growth is that they have lesser access to finance. They also have lesser access to knowledge and other key resources. And, and finally, they are impacted by outdated societal norms and legal constraints. So when you think about access to capital, for example, six times more capital is being invested in male-led businesses compared to female-led businesses. And also lesser business exposure, access to networks, deprive women businesses from the of the necessary skills, the experiences and the resources that they need to better manage their business or to take advantage of key opportunities that can help them grow their businesses. You mentioned access to capital. Are there gender-specific constraints that female entrepreneurs face when trying to access funds? Absolutely, Corey. I would say access to collateral is probably the biggest one because African women typically don't own or inherit land due to societal norms. And even when they do, they typically do not have decision-making authority over the use of the land. And we know that land is the main source of collateral to access credit. They also tend to have lesser access to networks and, and information as I, as I previously talked about. And they, they don't have the information about the sources of capital that's available to them compared to their male counterparts. In addition, they tend to be more risk adverse less knowledgeable, uh, probably about the financing process and also to be less financial literate. This can have um, or can affect the way they present their business to a potential investor. So, for example, when making financial projections, their projections will likely be more conservative and it will lead to, it can lead to a lower valuation of their business. It can also affect their ability to negotiate good financing terms. On the flip side, you also have um, a level of skepticism and, and bias at times from uh, investors that can lead them to undervalue women businesses or offer them less advantageous terms on deals. Are there also challenges that investors face when leveling the playing field for female entrepreneurs? And what changes needed there? Sure. I think a lot of folks would probably agree that it's a good thing to invest in gender. But beyond that, I think the, the business case for gender still needs to be proven and is still being proven because we, we don't yet have enough data to show the returns and the benefits in investing in, in gender diverse businesses. There's preliminary data that is showing it, but not enough to really convince the, the larger body of investors that this is not just the right thing to do, but it makes business sense and attract them to, to, to that. So, so we need more data. We need more evidence to support the case, quite frankly. Then when you take investors that that do believe in it and want to in, invest in um, women businesses, they will tell you quite often that they can find a strong pipeline of businesses to look at giving their current origination processes or the the investment instruments that they have. 
a lot of time the, the ticket sizes that they offer or the, the financial products that they offer are not always suitable, relevant or attractive to, to women businesses. So, so more needs to be done there, right? In terms of designing the, the right instruments for, uh, women led businesses. And third, I would say that the, the lack of gender diversity on investment teams that are still mostly male dominated could hinder the process. It, it hinders the diversity of perspective when um, putting together those pipelines and, and when evaluating women businesses. So the challenges aside, would you say that the gender lens investing market in Africa is growing and are there specific sectors that receive more funds compared to others? Yes, it, it's certainly growing. Although the theory of investing in women has been around for over a decade, gender lens investing or GLI for short is a relatively new concept for many investors and interest has only been recently gaining momentum. So you have several impact investors such as Alpha Mundi or Acumen that are incorporating GLI approaches in their work and have been doing so for a few years now. And you have some new GLI funds such as Arua Capital in West Africa that are emerging. They're not always sector specific. Though you, you see many look at agriculture because it's a sector that women have always played a large role in and uh, looking at retail and, and so on. Others are also trying to increase representation of women in sectors that they have not traditionally participated in. And energy is one that comes to mind. Right. So besides access to capital, what other forms of support do female entrepreneurs in Africa need to succeed? Yes, access to capital is certainly key, Corey, but it's it's an important, but it's not a sufficient condition for success. Women also need more capacity building. They need technical assistance to increase their business exposure, to increase their knowledge and skills, and have better access to formal networks. And I would say, finally, they need more support on the home front, quite frankly, because women entrepreneurs, more than their male counterparts, have a double burden of work, both at home and at work due to societal norms. And, and this has been exacerbated during COVID. And it, it means that the, the resources that they have, the time, the money is further constrained. So more needs to be done in that, on that front as well. Right. So when we take a look back at the last year, we saw governments, development partners, and private institutions responding to the COVID-19 pandemic by launching various initiatives to support SMEs. Why is it important to apply a trended lens to these efforts? The efforts have certainly been laudable and they've helped many businesses, including women businesses, weather the storm and survive the crisis. But it is important to apply a gender lens to them because first we need to ensure that women are aware of these interventions because 
as I mentioned earlier, they tend to be less connected and less informed about opportunities that they can benefit from. Second, it's really important to minimize the hurdles to enable women to access the financing, whether it's the collateral requirements of, of those initiatives or the burden to fill out and go through the, the application process. Third, it's really important to think about the needs of men versus women when designing the financial instruments, because at times those needs could be different and, and the instruments that are put forth may not be suitable for women businesses. And last but not least, it's really important that we track and measure impact and collect and disaggregate the data by gender so that we can really learn who is accessing what initiative, how, why is it working for them, in which way, so that we can learn and inform future initiatives. So there's clearly a lot the ecosystem needs to do to support female entrepreneurs. Are there also steps that these women leaders can take to navigate difficult times and drive growth? Absolutely. We've heard a lot of success stories from women businesses in, in our network. And many have first reassessed the, the business model and they've adapted it to become more resilient. Some have positioned themselves to take advantage of opportunities created by the, the pandemic and they've launched new products and services, be it uh, manufacturing PPE equipment or offering delivery services or online services to their clients and customers. Some have also been really bullish about asking for moratorium, renegotiating terms with investors, with banks, applying for relief support um, or grants. And really everything was on the table in terms of uh, renegotiation. That's really great to hear. So you've touched on what the ecosystem players can do to help female entrepreneurs, as well as how these women leaders can adapt and drive their own growth. What role is OCA playing in promoting gender equity and improving women empowerment? So OCA has been working on this topic really since our inception in 2010. For us, this is really critical to achieve our mission to build African economies because as we discussed earlier, we firmly believe that women are integral to building our economies. So our work in gender covers three main areas. First, support to women businesses. Second, support to investors, develop and implement GLI strategies. And third, support to any business integrate gender across their business model. So when I come back to the first one, support that we provide to women businesses, we're really trying to help them strengthen their operations and raise capital so that they can scale their businesses. So to date, about 40% of our engagements have been with women businesses, and we have helped them raise over 50 million in capital in the last decade. The second work that we do in gender is a support to investors and we help them develop and implement their GLI strategies. We help them design innovative financing structures that are better suited for women businesses. And we also help them source, screen and support women businesses uh, in their pipeline as well as portfolio companies. 
Last but not least, which is a newer area of work for us, is thinking about how we help a business integrate gender across their business models to enable growth. So for us, women are 50% of the, the population. And yes, we, as we mentioned earlier, 25% lead a business, but most of them will be an employee or a customer of a, of a business. So it's really important for businesses to start thinking and engaging women from a business point of view. And our vision is really to see over the next decade, gender fully integrated in the way we assess a company's performance and in the way investment decisions are made. So we really want to see companies and investors get to the point where they're tracking gender impact the same way they're tracking financial performance and ESG metrics. So it used to be just financial performance over time, environmental, social, and governance impact have become important. So we're trying to get to the point over the next decade where it's now environmental, social, governance, and gender impact in addition to financial performance. So let's, let's all work together to coin ESGG as a term. Fantastic. Natalie, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Corey. It was really a pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you're joining us for the first time, thanks so much for listening in. And don't forget to subscribe to hear more insights from our team on key issues across sectors and themes. You can also find out more about Open Capital by visiting www.opencapital.com.